What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Because I'm a Knicks fan, obviously, who would not have all the energy in the world rooting and watching um, for this team? Um, Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. If I sound a little delirious, that is because I have someone on who, you know, I think I probably tell a lot of guests that I really like them. I really actually do like this person. No shade against my my other guests, but it's Dallas Amico from Posting and Toasting. He always puts a smile on my face. We, we were literally talking for like a minute and a half before I just started recording now. And I have a big stupid grin on my face. Dallas, how do you do this, man? Uh, I don't know, man. Just enjoying life over here. And you're a Nick fan, and you're enjoying life. This is why I love you. I needed some Dallas in my life tonight. Ironically enough... Um, with where the Knicks are uh, about to tip off, uh, I guess, tonight by the time people are hearing this. Um, so uh, how have you been, I guess? Let's start there. Uh, I've been doing pretty well. Life's busy, works hard. I haven't watched uh, as much of the Knicks as I I would have liked to uh, this season. Maybe and that's like, why you're happy. <laughs> may, uh, maybe. I, I saw most of the games I've had to watch, uh, you know, like after the fact because I'm, uh, I'm on the West Coast. So, like... They're starting at four o'clock, and I'm, you know, still have two hours of work before I get to fight rush hour to get home. So, uh, yes, 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 that's right. I always forget that. Yeah, missing a lot of games, but I, you know, I'm catching up on them. Um, but no, yeah, I'm having a great time watching this season. I, I know it sounds weird. They've been bad, but they're also endearing. Um, <laughs> well, let's hold on. Let's. I mean, listen. Uh, it's it's the Knicks. There is just like there is very little rhyme or rhythm to their offense. There is very little rhyme or rhythm to how we go about things in this podcast. So let's start there. You find them endearing. Tell me, tell the audience, tell the masses, pray tell, what do you find particularly endearing about this team thus far? Well, it all starts probably with Frank and RJ, those guys, and Mitch. Those guys are so much fun to watch. Um, And even Knox this year is a joy, a delight. Uh Bobby Portis has made some nights really fun. I I don't know. It's just uh, I'm just having a good time watching them. <laughs> you know, I I I can't lie. I've I actually so I'm I'm usually pretty even keeled when it comes to like formulating opinions on this team in the context of the greater conversation. Um, I guess is maybe maybe the best way to put it. And for um, I guess 20, eh, 28 minutes last night, maybe 30 minutes of basketball. I felt like really, really, really good about what I was seeing. 
And then obviously that all um, kind of went to shit over the final, whatever, 18 to, to 20 minutes. Um, and then after the game, it, it, I, 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 you know, I was on Twitter and I kind of got sucked in because my God, I don't know that I've ever seen so many people be so utterly negative about this team. And it obviously that has continued today. And the fact that Porzingis is, is now that's a thing, um, you know, it's all kind of piled up. I, I, I agree with you. I think there has been some encouraging signs, um, let me start with a two-part question. What has been your favorite thing about the offense thus far? And if you could remove one part of the offense that you have seen thus far, what do you think you would remove? Feel free to take either one um, and start off. Uh, okay. Favorite thing about the offense. Um, so, I mean, it's weird. There's not just one offense that the Knicks run. Uh, so the the the. First, the starting lineup runs one offense, and the second unit runs a completely different offense. Um, so literally, they're not running the same sets. They're not running the same actions. The way they're getting the ball to, to guys in spots is different. Um, so uh, Has that, by the way, has, when you say first unit, you mean, has that changed at all in your estimation since Frank has been inserted for essentially Peyton, even though he had the one game? Um, blip with RJ as the starting um, point guard not really not really no um so I mean Frank uh he's not being I mean he's like he brings the ball up the court but he's not being used to initiate the offense um except as like you know he's like a he's being used as like a secondary or tertiary initiator like somebody who if the initial couple actions break down maybe he'll run a pick and roll but even that's pretty unusual in that starting lineup you rarely see him He's like he's setting screens. He's like uh, you know he'll make an entry pass to the post and cut through or find somebody coming off a screen. Um, but that's the about the extent of what he seems to be doing in the starting lineup um, outside of you know like scoring in transition on occasion or something sure. like that. Um, yeah, so he's definitely. I don't think he's changed it much just because he's not being asked to do very much. Um, yeah, but so the thing that I've been most excited or most excited about about the offense is the second unit. The second unit has been a blast, um, and so the second unit actually. So like, um, the first unit when they're in, and there's a lot of things I think we should. It'd be nice to talk about about the first unit, um, but when they're in, very to put it just like very simply, the spacing is terrible, and there are no shooters. Um, other than so, that, it's great. <laughs> other, yeah, well, yeah. So. As a result, um, it's almost impossible to run any of the actions that the second unit runs. So the second unit uses lots of staggers. So when they came in uh, against the Detroit Pistons, the second unit came in, and the ve- the first three plays were all stagger screens. The first one, um, so just they did a for a stagger screen, just for anybody who might not know, is what. Oh, good. Yeah, I I always tell myself to do this, and I, I I'm just run up so Listen. excited. This is not training. this is not my first rodeo, my friend. I gotta tell you. Uh, that's why you're the pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I am. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. So stagger. I mean, it's just like uh, a double screen. It's just two two players set screens for for one player. Um, uh, so it makes it more difficult for the initial defender um, to run through because um, he's got to get through two different bodies. A lot of times it'll force a switch on the second screen. Um, so, like, where... Uh, yeah. Um, so, 
lot, and typically these are run on uh, uh, intended to get you uh, some space on the three point line. Okay. Um, and always turn into a three point shot. Um, it's easy enough to either uh, a lot of times if if your defender trails over the screen, um, you can uh, dive to the basket. Um, or if they go under, you can sometimes cut back and turn it into like an immediate uh, designated handoff um, where the, the big will still keep the ball and then they'll just hand it off to you and you, you cut back and take the screen the other way again, which so, then your man has had to go through three screens. Um, which is which a is lot a, of screens. A lot of screens. It's hard to get through, and it's a bunch of decisions for the defense to have to make, right? They have to make um, – if you go through three screens, that's there are three defenders who have to – decide three times switch or stay um and there's a lot of opportunities for mistakes so it's it's awesome it, um, it feels like they've been running um a lot of those to try to free up wayne ellington for some open shots around the the three-point line is that is that accurate yeah that's right so when they uh the second unit came in against the pistons um they ran three stagger screens the first one um got wayne uh a layup um, he the his man because of his ability to shoot trailed around the screen um, and it he was able to uh, break free to the hoop so he got an easy layup the very next trip down they ran one for um, Kevin Knox uh, and he had a three he got open because his man went under that time and then the very next play uh, they ran another one for Wayne and he got a mm, decent look from three it was contested uh, and he missed it but still those are like three I mean, great and sets. we. We should say Wayne Ellington has taken over 2,500 three-pointers in his career. He is a career 38. Well, actually, after the beginning of this season, he's just below 38% for his career. But he's about 38%. He's shooting 26% from three this year. And I, it feels like, like having watched Wayne Ellington for most of his career, it feels like these are looks that he is usually hitting at a much higher rate. It doesn't feel like the looks are particularly worse. Is that fair to say also? Uh, well, there's. I think there's two things to note. First, three-point shooting is highly variable. Um, this so, is true. Like uh, a lot of times, people will say that after it's like after 300 attempts is when uh, your percentage is going to stabilize. Okay. <laughs> so it's that's an enormous number of attempts, and there's a bunch of room for um, all sorts of variability in the middle. Um, so you can have these sorts of really cold shooting streaks, but. All that said, I think Wayne has also – so I think some of it's just that. It's just, you know, um, just the the randomness of three-point shooting. Um, but then some of it is I think when he has been placed uh, in lineups with – it's just like him and then the starters, which has happened a couple of that times. Has, you're, that's a great point, yeah. Those are not as as great of looks, I guess you'd say. That's right because he's the only one spacing the floor. So floor spacing um, – uh, uh, it, I don't know what maybe it, it, it's exponential in a certain sort of way. Uh, that's a great way to put it, and yeah, I finish your thought. That's I, I love where you're going with this. Yeah, so when um, Wayne is the only one out there um, who can shoot threes, um, it's uh, easy enough for other defenders to help away from their guys who are you know around the three point line supposedly. Uh, spacing the floor. For example, if Julius Randle is on the three-point line, you really don't have to pay attention to him. Um, and so you can help off and trap or or at least or dig or some, whatever, you know, help off and uh, 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 make it more difficult for, for Wayne. Now, if you have Wayne and you have, for example, Kevin Knox and maybe Bobby Portis in the corner, um, 
the defense can't leave those guys. And as a result, Wayne only has to be maybe his man or maybe his man and one help defender if there's a, a screener who sets the who sets a screen for him. But in that case, then the, the person setting the screen is going to be open if that person um, helps off. So uh, when you have extra floor spacers um, on the floor, more than one, um, the benefits, I think, are, yeah, they're exponential. Yeah, and and that and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it should like so we're talking like we're thinking about this team and the way the way that it was constructed. And um, I, I I have to really. You, how about this? You stop me if I'm making too many excuses because I do this and I admit that I make too many excuses for this team because oh wait I want them to be good. Um, what I was gonna say is. I think sometimes we forget how big a role uh, Wayne Ellington was pr- – not Wayne Ellington, no, I'm sorry. Reggie Bullock was probably going to play at the time that um, they they signed him because I think he was – they definitely signed him before Ellington. I want to say he was like their second or third signing. Um, and I feel like if like, you know, to your point about like the exponential effect or like the if you want to go with like domino effect of of like having a certain amount of shooters on the floor, if you put him in there – at you know in some of these lineups and you have Ellington and you have Knox and as you said you have Portis who can kind of shoot it a little bit too I I don't know it's it does feel like they are at least one shooter short in terms of making a solid like nine ten man rotation uh uh, I'm not totally sure that's the case um so I mean I definitely agree that Bullock is a great shooter um I would say he's he's probably a little bit better than Ellington, but not by much. Um, but one of the advantages with uh, Reggie is he's a little bit longer, yeah. Uh, so he has a little bit easier um, time. Even though he does his shooting motion, um, if I remember right, I wrote I watched a bunch of film on him in the summer. Before. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a little. It is a little bit low um, at times, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but still, nonetheless, I think he has a little easier time. Um, Sometimes you see Wayne struggling. I think he got blocked on one three. Yes, uh, he did. I remember that too. Yeah, against Detroit. Um, so yeah, Reggie has a little bit easier time maybe uh, getting uh, getting shots off. Um, yeah, but I I don't think. I mean, I think uh, in my view, it's just that it's the the problem isn't the roster. So like, so let's let me let me let's talk about this for a second. So um, I don't put a lot of stock into early season net ratings, especially not for individual players, um, unless, because um, just the sample sizes are too small and there's too much vari- variability, but when I do put very, stock Very in, good point, by the way. Yeah, but when you when I think it's reasonable to put stock in them is when there's an underlying explanation that you can point to. Context. There's context. Why, yeah, for why the rating is what it is, right? And if it's sustainable or... Uns- or, or it's something you expect to continue happening, then you can project into the future and say we're likely to continue to see, you know, poor results or good results, right? So, now, all that said, let's talk a little bit about a net, some net ratings. Um, so, think about, so last year's team, right? Sure. Very, very bad. Um, our net rating on the year was negative 8.9, right? Yes, which was, I think, ended up being third worst than the league uh, in front of the Suns and Cavs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was real, it was real bad. Um, we're worse this year. 10.5, baby. Giddy up. 10.5, yeah. Uh, it's, it's horrendous. So, like, 
Um, our team this year is significantly better than it was last year, and our net rating is <laughs> worse somehow. And also, we're like um, six points worse than the next worst team in the NBA. It's like it's just like we're like uh, uh, orders of magnitude worse. Um, but this team isn't that bad. Um, the talent that, on it is not that bad. Let's I guess even, we should say that, right? That's right. And even the fit. The the problem is, um, and I mean, in my view, really comes down to the rotation. Uh, um, that's that's a big part of it. And then a second thing is um, fundamentals. There's like some, and and we can get into this stuff. Specifically, when it comes to like pick and rolls, um, the fundamentals are just. I've I've been focusing on them the last couple of days because you and I were uh, messaging back and forth a yes. little bit about like, well, what's going on? You know, you were saying like, well, they're shooting a bunch of shots off screens. Um, uh, they're passing a lot apparently, um, but it doesn't seem like they're getting any. Uh, you know, the roll men aren't finishing shots. They're not running a lot of pick and rolls, or it doesn't seem like they are by the numbers. Um, there's just a bunch of like really. Uh, uh, basic sort of things that are um, screwing up their pick and roll actions. Anyway, so so, yeah. you, so you you already said the second unit and the stuff that they ran was your favorite thing about the offense. You've kind of now said that the rotations, in essence, are kind of your least favorite thing because that's where everything is being screwed up. That's what right. what do you think is the most glaring, obvious? Like, why are you doing that stupid thing? Um, rotation that if or maybe it's more than one. That if they fixed it, you think it would help solve some of these problems? You can't play four and a half non-shooters in a lineup. <laughs> unless, you're kidding me. Unless you're even, – even the Philadelphia 76ers aren't doing this. But I was going to say, unless you're like going to be the number one or number two defense in the NBA, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, which the Knicks are, uh, are not. No, no, they're not. Um, yeah, so, so like the only person – so – Nobody at this point yet fears, no teams fear RJ's shooting. He's been like, he's been really hot. But again, I'm not sure that I put much stock into it at this point. Um, again, three point shooting is really variable, and his free throw shooting has been horrendous. So I'm not confident that it's going to stay this hot. And, and we should, and we should just add the caveat that when we talk about spacing and shooting and everything, there's, there's two different conversations, right? There's the conversation about, like, yes, uh, RJ is – I don't even know what he is. He's shooting probably 40-something percent from three. It feels like they've At won. least. Yeah. He's on the That's a different conversation than whether or not it it is bending an offense in any way, shape, or form. And I think to your point about the four-and-a-half non-shooters, that means there are four-and-a-half shooters um, uh, who the, the defense is not – is not worried about like if if right. Mitch or Julius or RJ or um you know I, who's I'm curious actually who's your half Frank or or Marcus? <laughs> oh, four and a half non. So the half was RJ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the half was okay. Oh, yeah, oh that's... Morris. No, Morris should be Morris. Should, Morris is uh, so he like he's a half. So, RJ's a half. So we'll yeah. It, it adds up to. But here's the point. All of essentially every player in the starting lineup is someone that if the defense if they take an open three, the defense is like, eh, you know. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So continue. Um. And yeah, your point is absolutely right. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is like leaving. Is so what's what's happening essentially is like you know Morris is he's trying to do like a mid you know he's like uh, posting up or doing some like. Carmelo Anthony style jab steps over uh, uh, on the elbow, um, 
And, you know, Randall's trying to space the floor, and RJ and Frank, um, and then Mitch is standing maybe in the dunker spot. And, like, teams are like, I, you know, just they don't care at all about Julius Randall on the three-point line or Frank on the three-point line. And so I can't what they're imagine doing, why. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, there's just no, yeah. Um, there's, there's some sort of, some, some point at which teams start caring. And it's a combination of being a very good shooter and also shooting enough volume. Um, so you have to be like, you know, somewhere around like once you start shooting like 34, 35 percent and you're shooting four, four three pointers a game or something like that, teams start caring. You might remember like Jose Calderon was like an amazing shooter. Like and he, he shot was, like two and a half three pointers a game. Yeah. If that. Yeah. If and that. teams basically ignored him because, you know, like they, they didn't they knew he wasn't going to shoot unless he was wide open and you could close out enough such that. Jose wasn't going to shoot for fear of losing his 40, 50, 90 season or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, hey, listen, he was, he was building up that, that hall of fame resume. Um, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, you're, you're, you were making that point. It's absolutely right. So nobody cares about it. And so what happens is you just have multiple bodies converging on whoever's in the post. Um, or if you run a pick and roll, whoever's, um, diving or whoever ha- is the ball handler, you have, you have just multiple bodies converging on them. Um, and we should and we should also I and mean, we're going to get to the the other pick and roll um, issues in a bit. But we should also say, you know, I know it's very very easy to pick on Julius Randle's offense thus far this year, and much of that is rightly deserved. Um, my bigger issue is actually with his defense has really become uh, quite lazy. A whole eight games into the year. Um, it's so- did you notice that as well? Oh, it's so bad. It's yeah. it's it's. I mean, it's it, last night. It was actually embarrassing at times, but we're, <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. Um, a lot of his turnovers has have come when he's not only been trying to make the right play, but he actually, I want to say, like has has chosen the right pass to make. Um, oh, and there yeah. there was just like there's like a sea of arms, and it it get it's you know it's knocked away or whatever the case may be, and it's it's a turnover. Well, yeah, Randall as a passer has a number of limitations. So um, he is capable of making some basic, like, kick-out reads where he drives, the defense collapses a bit. Which we've seen some of this year. Corner. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. Um, but his, he has a couple, there's a couple of problems. He, he's slow to make the reads. Um, part of the reason is he often puts his head down when he's driving. Um, so just like watch him, especially once he gets deep into the paint, he'll, uh, he, he like put the ball in both of his hands and he puts his head down and like, does like a, like a head fake kind of thing. But when he's, you know, when you're looking at the ground, you don't know where your guys are. Um, can't so, see the floor. so, so it's basically like LeBron James, except the opposite of LeBron James. Got it. I, something like that. Yeah. Something like yeah. That. <laughs> so, and, and then another thing is, um, hit, so there, uh, so when you're ma- when you're evaluating passers, there's a number of things to care about. So what you want, re- the really the best passers get the ball to their guys accurately. Um, obviously, um, they make the right reads. Obviously, um, at, but then things that are uh, maybe less commonly thought of, um, they the ball gets out of their hand quickly once they make the right read, and then second they have a lot of zip on their pass. So it gets to the shooter quickly before yeah. the defense can react, right? So Randall has this problem where, so his reads are spotty. Sometimes he makes the right read, he misses a bunch of reads, 
Um, but he makes, you know, he makes a, you know, he makes a few that are are the are the right reads. But when he, um, especially on drives, his reads are slow. So you see him recognize the open man, um, and especially when he's um, trying to pass it to the right corner, um, he doesn't have like a left hook pass mm-hmm. where you know like the one handed over the head kind of pass. And so he has to he takes the ball in two hands and he does it to both sides too sometimes. And he sort of like winds up and the whole defense sees where he's passing the ball, which not only gives time for the help defenders who have collapsed on him to get their hands into the passing lane where you see a lot of his turnovers, but it also gives uh, defenders plenty of time to recover to the shooters where it turns out that, you know, him making the right read um, and making the right pass. And he does have a lot of zip on his passes a lot of the times. Um, It just turns out to not be uh, very effective because of how long it takes him actually make it. And we should say like there aren't 10 big men in the league that could that could do all the things that we're talking about that Julius Randle is is falling short but when you're when you're making him the offensive fulcrum of a team in its starting lineup um they tend to stand out a bit more. Um I'm curious to hear um cuz now that we've identified a few problems with why the starting lineup is is not gelling in any way shape or form. I'm curious to hear your solutions. But first I remembered I set my alarm and I remembered we're going to uh, hear very quickly from our friends at my bookie. So obviously, yeah, football is here. College hoops are here now. Obviously, the NBA is here. NHL, you know, uh, mini golf, any any sport you want. It's going on right now. Um, you could with my you could do all kinds of different bets. You could you could play parlays. You could do multiple games together for a bigger payout. So I want to read some lines here. I'm first going to put you on the spot, uh, Dallas. Uh, oh, no. how, how many points do you think the Knicks are getting tomorrow night in um, the city which bears your name? Oh, the betting line? Well, they're going to expect us to lose by eight. Um, that no, would be that, that would be not. eleven. That would be eleven points, my friend. It's eleven. It's eleven. Oh. The line is eleven. And what do you think the over under is for the game? Um, I, thought, I thought that they would think, "Wow, okay." I, I was thinking, "Wow, okay." I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. My 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 guesses are obviously very far off. No, that was eight. Is pretty close to eleven. Um, their <laughs> over under for this one is two seventeen. So obviously they they do not think that the uh, Nick's offensive explosion is coming uh, in Texas. Um, yeah. yeah, so those are those are a couple lines. You got all the lines for for the games tomorrow and and every other game. We got a nice Grizzlies Magic affair. Ooh, tasty uh, Magic getting uh, or giving six and a half there. I, that actually, I, I would watch some of that game if I wasn't going to be tuned into to Nick's Dallas. Um, all the lines are on there. You could bet first half lines. You could bet uh, team totals, like the whole thing. All at mybookie.ag. If you join right now, they're gonna match match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand dollars. So if you deposit two grand, that means you get an extra thousand dollars in free money. It's free money, folks. Come on, use promo code overtime to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code overtime to take advantage of mybookie's generous signup offer. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Hopefully, if you are betting, um, you are. Um, I, I, I let's. How about this? If you're betting, maybe don't take the Knicks money line. That's maybe I, my. I don't know. Hey, remember last year when the Knicks played uh, uh, Fisdale's old team? 
And that is like, true. They rose. That I would argue that was the, some sort of like revenge. Fa- I feel like Fizz is good at getting guys fired up for like special like games like that, like revenge games or whatever. I don't know. Maybe you know, they're in the air. I I hope your lips to God's ears, my friend. Um, <laughs> I hope you're right. Okay. So we've talked about obviously the fact that there's no spacing. We're talk- we've talked about the fact that Julius Randle is um, woefully, um, you know, out of out of role, out of sorts. I don't know what, what you want to say as, as someone who an offense should go through, um, let alone even if there was proper spacing. But the fact that there isn't. What's let's think of a few solutions because we're all about helping people on this podcast. Obviously, um, what are, <laughs> what, what are a couple solutions that you'd like to maybe try out? I think the most the, the simplest thing is to move Randall to the bench and have Morris play the four. Um, so so play, I can I just but, say for can I I want to I want to yeah. go ahead. I I was on the pod with Jeremy. I was recording it on Sunday night, and he brought this up, and I I was I'm like I said to him I'm like I know it makes sense, but it's insane. Meaning that yes. I, and I, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this because I had the ex- literally the exact same. I implied it today in my newsletter. I was actually going to do a, a longer write-up on it tomorrow, um, not even knowing that you were going to say this. And I just – here's what's – forget about the politics of a locker room. Just put that aside completely. Is – here's the devil's – here's my devil's advocate. If he is the most talented player – on the team, which we could argue, <laughs> what's that? He's not. He's not. If he's like, okay, if he's one of the two or three most talented players on the team, maybe, maybe. Does it? How do you navigate the idea of we should we should more figure out how to get him going and fit the pieces around him, or is it just a matter of like? They just don't – like you said before, they have the pieces to make this work, but is it that they don't have the pieces to make that particular scenario work? Is is like is that fair to say? Well, yeah. You mean the – so I think, I think it – Randall's starting. Basically, like for Randall to start, they would have to have X, Y, and Z to make that work, and, and they don't have X, Y, and Z. You can't play Randall, Mitch – a non-shooting point guard and RJ Barrett. Um, and you're going to start RJ Barrett by definition you're going to start a non-shooting point guard and I'm not having the conversation about whether or not it's best to bring Mitch off the bench because it's, oh it's not. Yeah, it's just not enough shooting. And so Randall to That's I mean, it. That's, that was the answer to my question. Okay, continue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so like in the off season I was thinking about ways to I never wrote the article but you, I think you and I talked about it a little bit. We did. But, um, I was thinking about ways to uh, construct an offense to um, maximize Randall and Mitch being paired together. Um, and I'm someone who did. I don't watch uh, much NCAA basketball, so I really didn't know what to expect from um, RJ. So I was just sort of like operating under the assumption, like, how can we maximize it given what we got? And I know nothing about RJ, so I didn't include him in my thoughts. <laughs> uh uh, now that I've seen him, I've been pleasantly surprised. But anyways, so the sort of thing I was thinking is, well, what you're going to want to do is have both like uh, maybe both Wayne Ellington and Reg- Reggie Bullock on the court at the same time. Um, and then what you can do is whoever the po- playing point guard, um, you can run pick and rolls um, with Mitch or Randall and have the other two guys 
um, running actions or the other the other three right um, uh, running actions away from the the, the pick and roll um, and so what that does when you when you have floor spacers like Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock so for, just so I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly you were you were thinking again before RJ before like knowing any of that that the point guard would run some pick and roll with Randall. And then in that case, Mitch might serve as like, I don't know, a screener to, you know, set up some actions for like one of the shooters off on the three point line. Yeah, sure. So whichever one of Mitch or Randall, you're not using. Got as it. The man would okay. be setting. Yeah. And you can do, you could do things like the warriors style split action. You could do just like simple, like what the, uh, the blazers have this, uh, nice, really simple offense. I haven't watched them this year. I don't know what it looks like. But what they've done for a long time is they do like they just like uh, uh, basically spam um, uh, pin downs and flare screens. Okay. So where a pin down is, the 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 screener faces the baseline, and um, a shooter runs up towards the top of the key, sort of like towards the wing off the baseline, um, off the screen. Um, and then a flare screen is just the opposite. The screener faces the opposite direction from the baseline, and the 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 shooter runs off the screen um, back towards the baseline. And, and um, you could do all this stuff when you have at least two shooters on the floor. It's I feel like we could we right. could agree that that is the baseline, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now, now what happens when you do that? Why it's so? Um, why it might actually? Why it might work? Is that um, help defenders right now? Um, what they're doing is they're um, so in standard pick and roll coverages um, in the NBA, um, you often have uh, a weak side help guy and a strong side help guy. So where the strong side is just the direction the pick and roll is being run, where the ball handler is sort of like running towards. So on the weak side. Um, the defender who's guarding the three-point shooter in the corner will drop all the way down into the paint and bump the roll man, is what they call it. They call it bumping. Um, and so, like, literally they'll try to hit him, you know, to disrupt his roll to the hoop to prevent, like, an alley-oop, and then he'll recover back out to his man on the three-point line. Something, by the way, the Knicks have not been doing on defense, but, again, we're, we're getting off track. Oh, they've they've run like eighteen different defensive schemes at, to this point. I who knows? <laughs> I don't I don't know what to expect next time. Um, they keep changing their schemes. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a grab bag. Yeah. And then on the strong side, there's also help. They call it eighty twentying, but it's not worth going into it. But what hap- what's been happening against the Knicks is both help defenders have collapsed into the paint further than normal, and they've just stayed there. Um, with no real worry, and so the paint's super clogged because, like we said, there aren't shooters out there. And even if there were, um, our ball handlers, like for example, Marcus Morris, when he's he's run a bunch of pick and rolls, um, he just he doesn't see those passes. Um, I haven't seen him hit a single corner off a pick and roll, or a single pocket pass, or a single lob. I, I can um, vouch. I could vouch for that statement. Yeah, he just he doesn't he doesn't see it. Um, so there's or, really- or, or he sees it and he's just not making the pass, but let's hope it's, I actually hope he's not seeing it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so what, what ends up happening is the pink is super close, but if you're running, um, these screening actions on the three point line while you're doing a pick and roll and the screening actions are involving deadly shooters like Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington, or even Kevin Knox, 
um, respectable shooters, you know, yeah. the defense isn't able, they'll be occupied by the screen and they won't be able to help off. Um, so what you essentially do is open up the entire center of the center of the court. And if Randall, for example, gets a pocket pass with one guy, like a drop defender, um, so the big in a pick and roll coverage, just sort of like half guarding him because he's half guarding the ball handler too, um, right? Because in like standard pick and roll coverages, the big man is required to basically play two on one for a little bit until the point guard can recover or the point of attack defender can recover in front of the ball handler. Um, so if he's uh, forced to, you know, only half guard Julius Randle, Julius Randle gets the ball and there's no help defense. Well, Julius Randle's an amazing finisher at the rim in those sorts of situations. Um, last year, in those sorts of situations, he was like the 92nd percentile as a finisher um, in the entire NBA um, as a role man. Um, and part of it is because he was put in situations like that. So, like, if you can, and you you can space the floor if you have enough shooting around them. Um, so, before we get to who, because I actually want to leave this podcast with uh, a proposed like 10 man rotation. Before we get there, I want to just hit on two issues real quick. Um, one, it sounds like you're saying that basically with the starting lineup the way it is, there's a reason why the Knicks have um, run fewer pick and rolls than uh, what is it now? I think the Spurs have run fewer only. The, only the Spurs have run fewer. I think they're the second. So the Knicks are the second lowest. So um, I actually am not sure. I don't know that that's correct. Well, so so what is what, so, so let, explain it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It is the case. We were just talk- we were talking about this, and I, I think I tweeted something about um, the number of pick and rolls. So NBA stats keeps track of um, finishes. So when the pick and roll ball handler finishes, um, you can see that. And when the pick and roll roll man finishes the shot, you can see that. Yes. So those two things are not happening very much. But it doesn't follow from that that we're not running a bunch of pick and rolls. We're so- just not completing or 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 getting shot attempts out of that's what we should say. We're not getting shot attempts out of pick and rolls either. A shot attempt by the uh, roll man or the guy with the ball. And and we're definitely not getting them uh, other ways either because you know our our ball handlers have not been hitting the corners. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I think we actually I was I've been watching very closely. Watched the last couple of games. Uh, we're actually running a bunch of pick and rolls. Um, the pro there's well there's. A number of problems. I don't know if you want to talk about them. Yeah, I have no. A, go, let's let's go through some of them. I have, a, I have a like a. I've been reading or going through some of it. Well, one our- I saw you tweeted um, a clip of uh, just just a fabulous Julius Randle screen uh, from I believe it was it was it from last night. That's right. Uh, um, in which uh, you know he must have had dinner reservations. He he got out of that baby <laughs> so quickly. I don't know. Maybe he saw someone in the crowd that he wanted to. I don't know. Say well, hi. To, I mean, he. It's. I couldn't even. I can't even call it slipping the screen. It was. It, it was whatever comes. But so uh, I'm being facetious. Like it was basically Julius Randle, like not even setting a screen, which we've come to see Mitch do a lot of. Oh my god! But yes. there's a difference in that Mitch has didn't play basketball for a year, and is very raw. And I'm much more willing to forgive him, who theoretically is still learning on the fly with some of this stuff, than a guy who this is his sixth year in the league. So um, continue. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> no. This, so I have a, a four bullet points here in the, about the pick and roll game, and the very first one is 
it starts with poor screens. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, so when should you slip a screen? Uh, typically, it's when the big defender is playing too high. So, like, either they're trying to trap or they're hedging. They've um, committed. They've committed to something. Because then, by slipping, you get behind both defenders. Yeah. That's when, it, that's when it's useful. But oftentimes, we're playing against um, drop coverages because they're not expecting anybody to shoot, so why would you do anything but drop? Um, and so... When at, at which point, by the way, there is literally no point to even try, to even pretending to set the screen. No, it's no. You could pretend to set the setting. The screen is fine. Oh, you mean if you're just going to slip? If you that's my point. If you're just going to, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're going to move up to the area where the screen is ostensibly going to be set, exactly. and exactly. and and you don't bring anybody with you, then it's like you might you might as well go. I don't know. Uh, sit down and and play tiddlywigs. Anyway, sorry, I'm yeah. getting I'm really the, losing it here. The goal of the screen is to put the uh, point of attack defender, whoever's defending the ball, the ball handler, to put them on the back hip of the ball handler, right? Because um, they, if they go over around the screen like that, then they're behind the ball handler, and you can create a two-on-one opportunity, right? Yeah. But if you don't set the screen, then all the um, point of attack defender has to do is just slide their feet like they would against a normal drive. Um, and they remain in front of their man. It's like not there's no problem at all. So so uh, when Julius Randall or Mitch um, when they slip like this, um, you don't put the point of attack defender on the hip of the ball handler, um, and that destroys basically any opportunity for um, making pocket passes um, early on. Uh, so when the when the uh, point of attack defender is on the back hip of the ball handler, um, well, that opens up all kinds of wonderful things for an offense. But that's right, and yeah. that, and the roll man is going towards the hoop. the The big defender has to keep both of them in front of him, and as a result, they have to backpedal. Um, and so there ends up being this nice cushion um, where uh, uh, between the big defender and the, the ball handler and the roll man. And that's where pocket passes get made, you know, right into that, into that nice little cushion into that pocket. Um, that's why it's called a pocket pass. Um, (laughs) and so if you don't get the defender on the back hip initially, which we've just not been doing almost at all, except for Taj Gibson, he does. I was, I was literally about to say, God bless that man's screens. That man could set a screen. And Bobby Portis has been pretty good He's, too. Yeah, no, I. In, in fairness, yes, you're right. So Bobby and Bob, Bobby and Taj. Bobby gets wide too. That's another problem with Mitch. Mitch Mitch always has a narrow base, um, and so like you know, even if he like actually stays, it's too easy to get around him. But you see Bobby Portis, sometimes he's almost doing like a split when he's setting a screen. He's like, he gets his legs really I mean, wide. When you're when think, you're built like a you know a brick shit house, you could you could do that, and God knows he is. Um, right. so that's one issue. What, what were the other, let's uh, go through the other bullet points. Okay. So number two, um, this especially goes for Randall. So Randall is not a lob threat, right? Um, there's maybe on occasion you could lock, but for the most part, he doesn't have the sort of ups that like Mitch has, and he doesn't have the reach that Mitch has. He's just, he's not really a lob threat where he succeeds is w- receiving pocket passes, you know? And then attacking the hoop hard. So and like he, on a on a short roll, almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, now, here's the problem. He slips screens so much 
that there's no pocket ever developed, um, and he dives uh, to the hoop so fast, um, even when there is a little bit of a pocket developed. Like, he just, like, turns and runs towards the hoop. And so he's never... Um, being a good screener in a pick-and-roll situation requires patience. It's like, you know, people talk about it as, like, an art, or, like, there's, like, there's an art to it. Um, you set the screen, you roll, you read the defense, and you want to keep that pocket open as much as possible so the ball handler has the opportunity to um, get you the ball. So you, you often want to roll slowly. So you don't just, like, dive headlong into the hoop uh, or towards the hoop. You want to, like, move slowly towards the hoop with the ball handler to keep the pocket open. Um, and Randall oftentimes he'll set his screen if he sets it at all. And then he just like puts his head down and like runs to the hoop. It's like, wait, man, like where are your best which, is if you get the pocket pass, you know, which then begs the obvious question. Is he doing this because he knows that that's the better chance of him just getting the ball and being able to go to work and do what he, we all know he likes to do and wants to do, which is just, you know, kind of go one-on-one and, and get his, try to get his buckets that way. Or is it, beca- or is it a basketball IQ thing, which, uh, you know, again, you know, you you did a great piece uh, on his defense over the summer, in which you pointed to many instances of he just doesn't think the game at the highest level a lot of the time. So we we don't have to go into which one of those it is, but maybe it's a combination of both. I don't I don't really know. Um, well, so here's something I I would like to say on the point. This is even if it is like an IQ thing where like he doesn't see it. This is easily this is fixable. Like I he's not he's. I mean, you—he's a—he's a smart individual. Like he's, you he know, seems he's like, like it. Yeah. So like, it's not very hard to like just drill it into your head. Okay, I actually have to set make contact in mo- on most screens unless the big is really high. He's committed, like you said. Um, and I need to roll slowly so the pocket stays open. Like that. Those two things are not very challenging, and they could be drilled into a player. Like. Well, they they can be they can be whether or not he is accepting is obviously maybe a, a different different story. Well, so one of the reasons why bigs are often bad when they first enter the league is they don't have this down, but they learn it, and you see bigs constantly learn this. Um, they you know so many of them do. So there's something worrisome, I think, that you know Mitch doesn't seem to have learned it yet, and Randall doesn't seem to have he doesn't seem to be getting it. Um, when these are things that are, I think, are relatively easy to drill into people. Uh, like, look at the the Warriors. It didn't matter who they brought in to play um, as 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 bigs, right? Um, they had like 35 bigs during their championship run. Um, but one of the central features of their offense was they drilled it into their bigs. If you're going to be on the court, you're going to set screens and you're going to set hard screens. Um, and as a result, those hard screens create so much space for shooters, for ball handlers, etc. Um, it's a hu- it's a huge deal. And this is one of the things you were talking about. Um, you sent me a, a a message saying that the Knicks shot more off screen than anybody else. Yep. But the Knicks have um, uh, either the fewest or one of the fewest uh, screen assists in the NBA. So they're setting these screens, or they're like shooting off screens or whatever, and they're running pick and rolls, and they're doing these things. But their screens are so terrible; they're not creating any space, so it's like it's no good at all. And this is part of the reason why, as you pointed out, their points per possession on shots off screens is bottom in the league, despite shooting like the most more than anybody. And 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 listen, I and I I am someone who, and God knows, it is getting tougher by the minute. Um, I have someone who defends David Fisdale, and and this is one of those things where, 
it's just like like you. I mean, I don't need to say it again. You know, you 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 either are drilling this stuff into people as a staff, or or you're not. Let's get through your. Uh, I'm curious. What are your last two bullet points, and then we'll talk about the rotation. And then we we gotta get out of here. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I tend to go on. No, I. I but I could listen to you talk about basketball for hours, so it's it's actually my fault. So the third the third thing, uh, asking the wrong players to run pick and rolls, like Marcus Morris, should not be running pick and roll. <laughs> I, um, he, I can't even keep a straight face when you said that. I, be, beyond his woes as a passer, which we've already talked about, he doesn't even have the burst to get to the hoop when he comes around a screen. Um, he's not. So, a, he's he's not a three. He's not a three in the modern game. All of the things that threes in 2019 are supposed to do, he doesn't do those things. Can we just yeah. be that general? Yeah, so he ends up, he just shoots these, he comes around the screen and he just shoots a contested mid-range jumper. So the screen wasn't good enough to get him any room, and even if it did, he doesn't have the burst to get to the hoop. So there's like a guy right in his face when he comes off the screen, and he can't see open men around the court. He's not a good ball uh, passer as a ball handler. Um, and so he just ends up jacking up mid-range contested jumpers, which is like the worst shot. And it's often like with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. So it's like, oh my God, what are you doing, man? Um, yeah, so should not run. And he's, he has more, um, shots off pick and roll than any other player on the team at this point, or at least he did last before the Pistons game when I checked. So, um, so that's, that's not a good idea. So don't, uh, don't have Morris run pick and rolls really. Um, uh, RJ is okay. He he sometimes hits the but, pocket pass. He but sometimes... even if he's not, I'm I want to make that investment in time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So he sometimes hits the pocket pass. He sometimes hits the corner. Mostly he drives to the hoop, but he gets there and he does well. And um, and by the way, um, I don't know if he's uh, don't don't spoil it if he is. Um, I don't know if he's going to be part of your proposed uh, new rotation, but. Uh, I seem to remember one Damian Dotson last year was among the leaders in in um, points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, like that guy could do stuff on the pick and roll. Um, yeah, very, so, I mean, very small samples, but yeah. Well, no, I mean, but you're right. Yes, small sample, but also noticeable growth from when he came into the league to the, for the beginning of last year to the end of last year. Um, what's your What's your last bullet point for for the pick and rolls? Uh, just one quick. Thing. The other person who should be running them. Who oh yes. Frank. Uh, uh, he sometimes does with the second unit, and they almost always Frank? work. He's he is he needs to teach RJ how to set up the defender for the screen. He's so good at getting the defender to commit one way and then running him into the screen, which creates. He's so and, good at creating space off pick and roll, and, and, and his timing also. His timing yep. on the pick and roll is just. And when he's running pick and roll with some with like another intelligent basketball player, like there was the the little the little um, uh, backwards uh, pass to Taj, a rolling Taj earlier in the year that was probably my favorite pass of this year um, that led to a Taj dunk. He's had a couple other ones that have been just really lovely. Um, he had a nice round the back to uh, the popping. Ah, uh, uh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, uh, totally. I'm on board with that, 100. percent Okay, number four, fourth bullet point. Um, and this one we've already talked about, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. Um, it's poor spacing. Uh, so you're just not going to be able to run pick and rolls effectively if you have the spacing that the Knicks have. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and this also go, uh, connects up, too, to their post game. So they're running all these post-ups. Um, but defense defenses are just helping on to the postman. And um, 
they're not running anything creative off ball like split actions or anything like that to keep help defenders occupied. And so, yeah, uh, the spacing is just, it's the, been garbage. The, the, <laughs> the postman rings no times because yeah. he's on the Knicks and there's no spacing. Um, okay. Let's let's leave the good folks at home with this. Um, you are leaving R.J. Barrett, you are leaving Frank Nilakina, and you are leaving Mitchell Robinson in your starting lineup. You are taking um, Julius Randle out of your starting lineup. Are you are you okay leaving Marcus Morris in your starting lineup, or do you want to take him out as well? I'm okay with him as a four. If and this is another so this is another critique I have of Fisdale. Um, so I'm so like just to be clear i'm actually not that worried about him as like an somebody who like designs an offense i don't know that it's always the best but like the second if you look at the second unit all the stuff they're running um we only talked about one sort of set the stagger screen but there's a whole bunch of others they're running and they do them regularly and effectively um so like i'm not and i don't think they're just like pulling it out of their ass or anything which like, I, think which, I, I don't want but which begs the question and it should beg the question for every nick fan if if that type of creativity and ingenuity can be seen with the second unit like I, I, I wouldn't go so far to say ingenuity. All right, maybe okay. I'm going. There's me. Listen, there's me again. Giving too much credit, admittedly. Whatever. It's been good. It's been good. If if that level of decency, can we say that level of yeah. decency yeah. could be seen with the second unit? Um, what you know, and I I tend to think that this is all. This all comes down to um, you know, trying to you know make his guys happy. Um, and I don't have the energy to talk about that right now. But anyway, so you're leaving Marcus Morris in at the four. Um, if, if conditional yeah. on Fizz getting on him and saying, uh, look, you are not a ball handler. You're not creating shots in the post. That's not your job. Your job is to space the floor, to rebound, to play defense, and to move the ball. You're going to set screens. You're going to set staggers. This is how he was used in Boston, you know? He spaced the floor. He set stagger screens. He shot threes at a good clip. Uh, he would occasionally shoot at the rim. Um, he didn't shoot a bunch of mid-rangers. He certainly wasn't creating mid-rangers. Uh, he wasn't posting up a bunch. That's not his game. Um, so if you tell Morris to do that and he plays that role like he's done his whole career until now, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to tell him to do that, um, then I'm happy with him being in as a four. Because as a four, he's a really good floor. That's a great floor spacer for a four. You're really happy with that sort of shooting out of the four. Um, yeah, so yeah. So Mitch, Morris, uh, RJ, Frank, and then give me... Uh, I'm sort of uh, ambivalent. I probably think Wayne is the best because of his motion, his movement. I've, um, I've proposed that since day one of this year, um, just yeah. FYI. But Knox two would be okay if you want to keep RJ at the two for developmental purposes. I'm which like, is I which that. is where his long term position is. All right, so either Wayne or Knox, let's say, um, and then at that point you are building your second unit around Randall, and around Randall will also be, I guess, theoretically, Bob. Are we putting Bobby Portis still in the game? Yeah, I think that's right. Randall's not a five, and Bobby Portis is not a four. <laughs> this is true. Uh, actually, Bobby Portis has been so he's been one of our better players this year. I think um, he, he surprised me on defense. I don't um, mind him. I gotta tell you, I know he has his issues on defense and, and just uh, like physical limitations. 
But like, right. I haven't, you know, he, the effort's been there. Um, yep. I have, I agree with you. I have not had an issue with him this year. Yeah, not on defense. He makes boneheaded plays on offense sometimes, where he's like, he's like the. I think he's the only person I've ever seen take a, a post up heat check. <laughs> like, like he'll that. just like he'll like sprint down the court, you know, like after he's hit like two shots, and he'll he'll have the ball. And he'll it. drive into the post and then, like, take a random fadeaway with, like, 20 seconds on the shot clock. You're like, dude, you can't take heat check post-ups. Like, what are you, what not, are you doing? Not, like, unless, not unless you're Bobby Portis, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. I've literally never seen that in my life. So, um, I laughed so hard the first time he did it. He's done it a few times, though. He, he has indeed. Um, <laughs> so we got Randall. We got, we got Bobby. We got whoever of Wayne and um, Knox um, does not start. Um, and then, you know, theoretically we're going to get a backup point guard back at, at some point. Um, I, I yeah. you know, pay, pick, pick, pick a name out of a hat. Um, so then, but then right off the bat, you're talking about, you got Portis as a shooter. You have either Ellington or Knox as a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you got your two shooters there. Um, and then, you know, I guess you fill in fill in the blank with uh i don't know there's a couple different candidates but yeah i think that's like those are your top nine guys more or less i think that's right i don't i'm not sold that i would put um Knox in the top nine but he's top nine of needs to play for sure <laughs> okay that's yeah, that's his- fair He's he's coming around on offense. He looks so much better just because he's being used how he should be as like an advantage scorer, um, not somebody who really creates, but somebody who you know gets the ball off a screen or on a drive-in kick when he can either attack like attack the rim against a closeout or he can shoot the three, like these sorts of advantage situations. Well, um, let's let's just say. Been good. He's been decent, but Let, his defense is still rough. Let's just say this: if if the NBA tomorrow made setting screens on offense illegal, Kevin Knox would be you know, we'd be writing his ticket to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe they'll you know you never know. Maybe it'll happen. Um. Uh. And 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 I guess uh, there, there's also the issue of he plays off of every three point shooter as if like getting within three feet of that person um is is not legal. Um, which is another minor issue, but other than those two things, you know, uh, okay. Uh, we've, we've talked for a long time. This has been so good because I feel like it clears up, it cleared up a lot of stuff for me. Um, and I'm sure it cleared up a lot of stuff for a lot of other people. Um, any final thoughts before we, uh, before we get out of here? Yeah. Let me say one quick thing. Sure. Lots of people, I think even you and uh, uh, on the podcast have said things about how it's really hard to have success on offense without great penetrators. Um, and I don't think I, – I think it's true that having an elite offense is almost impossible without having somebody who can get to the rim um, and who can create for others uh, with their passing, like a you – know, like Luca or Trey Young or Russell Westbrook or LeBron or like hard, you know, you got to have somebody like that. Sure. But you can have a pretty good offense, and there's like plenty of examples I think of them of teams who've had reasonable offenses without guys like that. So you have teams like, you know, like 
the Utah Jazz have in the past had offenses that have been pretty good without any real like lead ball handler types. Well, you've had uh, sophisticated offenses. Yeah, that's right. Um, Which is the- not a word that we typically associate with this team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think some of the actions they're running for the second unit aren't that different than some of the things you see the Utah or you saw the Utah Jazz do in the past to compensate for their lack of ball handlers. Um, So, like, you even see, like, Wayne Ellington sometimes getting a ball, coming around a screen going downhill where he can make a pass or try to take a layup, which is something very, you know, it's similar to actions you've seen. You know, Joe Ingles run a million times. Um, it, is it fair to say that what you are describing is an offense that involves a lot of movement? Uh, that's fair. But, okay. again, the second unit has been running stuff no, like that. No, for sure. A, a, hundred, a, a thousand percent, I agree with you. Yeah. But it's it's. it just requires them to, to do some things that they're just, they're, they have not been doing. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I just I just wanted to say that I do think it's possible that we can have like we're not doomed to have a, a bad offense. Um, a lot of it is the things that I've talked about today, which I think are coachable, and then the rotations. Well, if they do let Fizz go, I know I am writing in. I have a write-in candidate for the next head coach, and it is it is Dallas Amico, one thousand percent. Um, dude, thank you so much for really, I, I mean this when I say it, lending your, uh, basketball watching brain to, uh, the masses, to all of us. Um, it is, uh, I, I don't know that it's going to make the Knicks any better, but it at least will make, uh, watching them a little bit easier to understand perhaps. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to, anything you want to plug or promote before we get out of here? Uh, I guess you could follow me on Twitter if you wanted to. I often do threads about the Knicks. Um, and they are very, very, very good threads, by the way. I, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, my, I guess it's uh, at DallasAmico underscore um, on Twitter. And then I might, we'll see. Uh, it feels like it's a lot, it takes a lot more motivation to actually write a piece, <laughs> which I'm always impressed. You write something like every day and it's always like, totally good um and it's like how are you producing so i'm like that is not true but once a month if i write something once a month i feel like oh my god i'm so taxed i it's so onerous to produce an article (laughs) i i need something to pass the time on the on the train in the morning that's that's really all there is to it um so i might i might have an article coming out maybe i might write about their pick and roll um offense uh and specifically focusing on um like the, a film, a sort of film review of some of the stuff we've talked about here. And maybe I'll have a piece on Brandon Ingram in the future coming out on Posting and Toasting um, as like a possible, you know, person the Knicks could be interested in next offseason in the restricted free agency. Okay, awesome. Um, we will be on the lookout for that. I will obviously retweet it um, from my account for anybody who is silly enough not to follow you but hey if you're out there and you're not following dallas amico uh at dallas amico underscore go do so because this is a great follow um dallas thank you really man so much for coming on uh this was this was a lot of fun i'm sure i'll have you on again in a few months if not sooner um it'll be sooner yeah it should be sooner i can't go months (laughs) without talking to you um and of course everybody out there thank you for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast we will be back with you with another episode incredibly soon i am sure um have a lovely weekend
Hey guys, real quick before we go, don't forget, even though the Knicks are off to a rough start, there are still plenty of opportunities for them to show up and actually put forth a winning effort. Yes, I said win at home at MSG. And if you need tickets for that game or any other games, you know that Vivid Seats is the way to go. Um, as a reminder, you can get the Vivid Seats app. All you got to do is go to the App Store, Google Play, download it. And once you do, you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program, which allows you to earn credit back, which is a really great deal. Um, every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. Concerts, theater, obviously sporting events, you name it, anything you want. Um, and when it's time to buy, new users, if you haven't already done so, I know um, a few people have already, enter promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, -E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100.